With all the basic components of debate, such as interpreting motions and refutation, we now want to equip you with more advanced strategies to help you level up your debate game. Today, we'll be focusing on weighing with a special guest and a longtime friend, Chris Pang. So a bit about Chris. He's a fourth-year student at the University of Toronto, which is where I go as well. And he is a Nautic, Yale IV, and CP Nationals finalist. He was the 20th breaking team at Cape Town Worlds 2019. And he is also the North American Debating Championship of 2020. He also has won speaking awards at HWS Round Robin, Oxford IV, and at Nautic. Um, and he is one year under me and a lot more successful than I am. So I hope that you trust what he's about to say. He's very, very accomplished, and I couldn't be more excited to have him here. Uh, so welcome, Chris. Thanks so much, Noah. Thank you for having me. So the first thing I want to know is just a bit about yourself and your debate experience. Any other tournaments you might have won or final that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been debating now for about seven years. Um, I've been coaching for a couple of years as well. I'm currently studying political science and international relations at UFD. So that's really, really helpful for debate, obviously. Um, I think in terms of other tournaments, uh, Colgate Open also has a really like uh, good like spot in my heart because that was my first ever open break. And then I took another high school debater there and we finaled. So um, yeah, honestly, I'm just a huge debate nerd and I can talk about weighing and meta debate for quite a long time. <laughs> Chris is a little bit of my debate baby because Chris started at U of T when I was in second year. So we've been one year apart, but it was the first year of Heart House Debaters that I got to directly mentor. And I'm honestly so proud to see how far he's come and to see all of his accomplishments. So something that I know Chris is really good at, which is why we asked Chris to come, is weighing. Chris will weigh from the Prime Minister's speech all the way until the op whip. And it is something that helps him sneak out a lot of wins that I really wish that I had got instead. So I want to start by asking you for a simple definition of what weighing is. Yeah, um, before I even get into that, though, I must say that the only reason why I got so many of these debate accomplishments is because of so much metric from Noah. Um, but uh, what is the definition of weighing? Let's let's jump right into it. I, I don't think there's a complete clear definition yet. It happens very, very often. But for me, the metric is asking the question, why is your argument or your rebuttal or your general analysis more important than other like teams analysis in this round? Why is it that this is a particular one that judges should care about more? Why is it one that judges should think about? And this is especially important given that in debate, all the different teams are going to have arguments. All the different teams are going to have arguments that are to some degree true, to some degree important. It's about making sure that the judge has reasons on their flow or on their paper that they have written down as to why your argument is more important than the other ones. That's great. And something that I noticed you mentioned was why your argument is true, why your arguments are important. So maybe building off that, we could talk a bit about the different types of weighing, because I think we say weighing, and you should say why your argument's important, but there's a lot of more specific, tangible ways to do that. Absolutely. So I think for me personally, there are three big types of weighing, and there are a lot of subcategories underneath it. The first is how big your impact is, just generally how large is the impact of your argument. Um, the second is how 
likely is your argument. So does it have a 50% chance of happening, a 75% chance of happening, a 100% chance of happening? And there are obviously different degrees of importance depending on how likely that argument is. And then the final type of weighing is a type that we call worst case scenario vs best case scenario weighing where you weigh your worst case scenario against the other side's best case scenario or or the inverse as well. And I'll go into that in a little bit more detail with a couple examples later. Yeah. So do you want to maybe just say before that, what is worst case or what is best case for a debate round? Sure. Absolutely. So in a worst case scenario, basically there are a variety of scenarios that can come about in each team's cases. What worst case scenario vs best case scenario weighing looks like is you explaining why even if your case is at its worst, even if your case is still completely marge, like for example, let's say that you had an argument about that was based in democracies and the other side says it's about authoritarian regimes. If authoritarian regimes is your worst case, then the worst case scenario wing is explaining why even in that instance, your argument is more important than the other side's argument. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, something else I would add to that for worst case versus best case is a lot of the time in rounds where there's a lot of like, there's a lot of freedom or a lot of liberty for teams to discuss what the world looks like. So this is like prefers a world motions. I think there's often a really big disagreement about just what that world looks like overall. So it kind of puts you in this weird place where you have like four debates at the same time. You're talking about the best gov world, the worst op world, the best op world, and the worst op world. And I guess you could see like if there's four different possibilities of how things could turn out, there's a lot of weighing you'd have to do. There's a lot of comparisons you'd have to do. So maybe let's talk about why it's important to even weigh your impacts. For sure. So I think there's a couple main reasons why weighing is very, very important. The first, I think the most simple one is when you're explicitly comparing arguments in reconstruction and rebuttal. In debates, there's oftentimes going to be some sort of trade-off. You're not going to 100% prove that the other side's argument is wrong. You probably might have to concede that some of the other side's arguments might even happen. In that instance, then, what is really important to prove is that even if the other side's argument happens, why your argument is more important. And that's what I think weighing is particularly useful for. So that's the first thing, which is it's useful in rebuttal and reconstruction. The second thing that I think it's very useful for is giving more depth to your own arguments as well as you are presenting them. So, for example, in a prime minister speech or a leader of opposition speech or in an extension speech, explaining why it is that your argument should be considered very, very seriously also increases just how strong of an argument it is. Because an argument shouldn't just be asking, why is this argument true, but also illustrating very clearly to the judge why this argument is also important. The final like kind of situation in which I think weighing is particularly helpful is in British parliamentary, if it is that you are trying to win against your opening team, but you obviously can't explicitly like contradict them, explicitly refute them or explicitly knife them, right? So in that case, the question that I get from most novices is, how then do I beat my opening? How then do I illustrate to the judge that our 
contribution is more important than the openings. And that's where I think uniquely Wang is particularly helpful, where you can explain the reasons why your argument, even if your opening as argument is true, why your argument is still significantly more important. Yeah, the entire time I was listening to that answer, I was waiting for if you're going to talk about BP. <laughs> I don't know what it is with judges right now, but like, if you don't way so aggressively against your front half the judges just aren't interested absolutely like if you go up in whip speaker and you're not like opening government impact crap <laughs> mechanism crap framing also crap but us we did that good like you can't argue that they're wrong but if you don't tell the judge that your front half is like sucked i don't know why it is that judges expect that i personally don't like that style but admittedly it does help you just win rounds um <laughs> And I'll just add something for why it's important to weigh your impacts too is judges will have to compare arguments as well. So if judges have to compare arguments, it's best that you give them the ways that they should decide those comparisons. So how they should make those comparisons and who should win those comparisons. So that's why I find especially when there's a split between like the first and the second are on the same bench. I feel like front half wins a lot more right now mm -hmm. because back half teams don't do the aggressive weighing. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, especially like if you know that it was just hard gov sweep, like you should weigh so aggressively. I found that that makes a big difference. Yeah, 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 for sure. To add on to that, I think that the scary thing that you don't want to happen when judges are looking at your arguments is in absence of weighing, and in absence of clear reasons as to why your argument is important, judges oftentimes have to rely on intuition and their own personal biases as to what they think, yes. which arguments they think are more important, right? And then that becomes significantly more risky for you when it is that you give an argument because it's very much up to the judge then. Yeah, and you, I mean, judges are good. You want to believe that judges are good. But the truth is they sometimes don't be making the right decisions. So you really like, you want to hold your hand. The first thing I ever got told when I started university debate was like, hold your judge's hand and walk them to your impact. Exactly. And to me, that meant like making sure the weighing was tight, like making sure it was good to go. Because if you don't give room for the judge to go rogue, then they won't go rogue. It's, it's honestly that easy. I mean, it obviously sounds easier than it is, but the less room for error or room for judgment you leave in the judge, the more you're in control of the decision. So the next thing that maybe we should talk about a bit more is more specifics about how to actually weigh. So I noticed that you were talking a bit about different situations for speakers. Um, so first speakers versus second speakers. So I was going to ask which speaker does weighing. I think all speakers should do weighing. Do you want to maybe tell us a bit about what types of weighing certain speakers should prioritize? So how should the prime minister weigh versus the op whip? For sure, for sure. So I think it's a question of um, where they weigh. And obviously, the second speakers have a little bit more control in the round as to where the round goes. So I think that there's, there's a couple things to keep in mind. For first speakers, it's oftentimes important to explain what the likeliest alternative is that the other side has to defend and really consider that in the round 
And I think that there's a few things you can do in prep for a first speaker to weigh very, very properly. The first thing is to really, really characterize what the other side's world looks like. And the second thing is to spend a lot of time in prep also talking about what the biggest challenge is going to be coming from the other side. And then when you keep those two in mind, it's really important to oftentimes try to build your argument in relation to those two. And that's how I think first speakers are best able to weigh. I think second speakers, though, are in a unique position in which they understand what has gone on in the round already, right? There's not much a first speaker can do to entirely control what the other side is going to say or entirely predict what the other side is going to say. The best thing to do as a second speaker then is to not leave anything from the other side unaddressed or unrefuted. And given that then, weighing is a really good way oftentimes to refute arguments that you don't quite know how to refute as well, um, especially because some arguments from the other side are, and I can't stress this enough, are just going to be true as well, right? So what second speakers uniquely are able to do is to take their first speaker's arguments or new analysis that they themselves come up with and explain why it is that analysis is more important than the material that you perhaps have not predicted yet. So basically, this is a long about way to get to saying that the first speaker's weighing should usually come up a little bit more after deliberation in prep. And the second speaker has to be more comfortable with adapting and getting ready to weigh against whatever the other side says. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I guess this is a bit on a tangent, but this weekend was Mac Pro-Ams. So I was debating. I came out of retirement for it. Um, <laughs> that was a choice. But it was a lot of fun. I was uh, debating with uh, a relatively experienced novice, I would say. And we are both first speakers. Mm -hmm. So neither of us knows how to refute, like, at all. <laughs> we're not good at it. So what we relied on was just, like, weighing. That was our only form of refutation, was just weighing. And before the tournament, I told her, like, you know, all points exist on a spectrum from absolutely true to absolutely important. There's going to be zero points in a round that are absolutely true and absolutely important because that would be unbalanced, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, for sure. the more true a point is, the more likely it isn't a core impact of the round. Um, mm. So, the more work you have to do to prove something is true, the more you're able to, I guess, build off of the intuitive importance of an actor. And when I told Sarita this, she was like, this is the best stuff since sliced bread. But honestly, like, that wig alone, it let us do so well at the tournament, because every time there's an important impact, we're just like, but is it likely? And then the judge was just like, I guess it's not likely. I guess that that team wins. Uh, so it's really important to weigh even as first speakers. And you could really sneak by without having really confident refutation. Um, so when I heard Chris was like, well, imagine you don't how to refute something. I was like, I don't have to imagine. I don't know how to refute things. <laughs> Um, and it helps a lot. Congrats on so, Matt Proms, by the way, as well. On that thank note. you, thank you. <laughs> um, we lost our quarterfinals, incidentally, because we didn't refute. <laughs> so I guess there's still a limitation to this strategy. <laughs> but Way got us that far. So For sure. uh, if we could do it, so could you. <laughs> the next thing I'm wondering, because we have a bit more time to get into specifics still, I'm really interested to talk about um, specific types of motions. So maybe where you would focus more on impact weighing or mechanism or likeliness weighing. 
I mean, I guess this is pretty open-ended, but some things that we have a lot of questions about, like when we've had Q&A sessions, is social justice topics or economics topics are already, they're always really common um, rounds where people don't know how to weigh impacts. Also, we recently did an episode on certain motion types or burdens, like this house would versus this house believes that. So um, that's a pretty big question. I'll leave it to you where you think there's a big difference in how you'd weigh in different rounds. I think that the way to consider this is to go a little bit more into specifics about the different types of weighing as well. So um, I'll, I'll start on to that and also try to apply it to the motion types a little bit more explicitly. I think there's in terms of like just like the the magnitude of impact, and this is where you're going to see weighing in almost every debate, in pretty much every debate, there's going to be quite a few practical considerations to keep in mind. I think there's three very easy and simple metrics that you can use to decide why your argument is more important than others. The first metric is how many people are affected. I think this is particularly good for economics rounds, for example, if you're talking about something such as free trade. The second is to what degree they are affected. And I think that this one is, is, is the one that people struggle the most with. A lot of people have the ability to just say, this affects numerically more people than you. Therefore, it is a more important point. But I don't think that's necessarily the way that you should see it. I think that let's take an example such as a free trade debate, right? If I was in support of free trade. I would say that it lowers the consumer prices significantly for a lot of goods. Um, it affects more people. Therefore, it is the more important analysis. However, on against free trade, I might say this causes like five to 10% of the population to lose their jobs, right? And then I can easily say for that five to 10%, the degree to which they are affected is much larger than the 90% that might have prices slightly lowered. So what I'm trying to get to here is that different motions oftentimes boil down to these like key metrics, right? Then the final metric though, that I think is very important. And I think that is something that definitely should be grasped in pretty much any debate, environmental, social justice, philosophy, religion, is who affects the most vulnerable groups of people. I think the reason why is twofold. First of all, because there's more of an obligation of governments or of teams or of just debaters in general to care about those particular groups, especially given the historical injustices that were pushed onto them. But the second thing is just it answers the second metric I mentioned as well, right? Which is to what degree they are affected. A tax on a very rich person is going to have significantly less effect on them than a tax on <clears throat> somebody that might be below the poverty line, right? So asking the question, who affects the most vulnerable, mixed in with the other two that I've already mentioned, is very, very effective in weighing in pretty much any of these different motion types. I would add, though, that there is another metric in many, many debates, and it obviously depends on the debate. But let's take social justice, for example. I think there's also the metric of obligations, which is what are your obligations as a social movement? So there are, for example, and one argument might be made in a social movements debate that political advocacy is more effective. But if on another side, you explain that this makes the social movement a less safe space for individuals, um, a less less of a community for individuals. 
perhaps the weighing there in terms of degree of impact isn't as clear, but you can argue that that social movement has a certain obligation to that specific subset of people, and you can explain those obligations a little bit more clearly. And I think that explaining those obligations is a really good way to also see what a certain actor or what a certain group should care about more, which I think is very, very important. And I definitely think that builds off of from, I don't know if it was our exactly our last episode, but the episode before when we were talking about motion types, how motions will often give you hints about the group that is supposed to be the most affected or who is the vulnerable group. And especially in motions like that, there's a lot of room to bring in obligation, even when it's not an actor debate. So even when it doesn't say as the feminist movement, you could still bring in obligation arguments if you kind of have the motion set out the parameters for who is the most affected group. So I would definitely echo all of those answers. I think that's a fantastic way to also keep in mind which impacts you should focus on in prep. A lot of people kind of get bogged down feeling like they don't know enough. You might not know enough about the specifics in econ or social justice, but you will know how to argue if you want to focus on the most people benefiting or the most vulnerable. Absolutely. Like that's a clash that if you just think about and you work through and you practice delivering that weighing, you could use it in free trade you could use it in motions about like feminist advocacy. You could use it in motions about environmental law. It it really is a cookie cutter weighing that could take you so far without even knowing the arguments itself. Exactly. I do want to finish us off because we're we talked so much about <laughs> weighing and oh, they're gonna be so mad that this episode was so long. Um, <laughs> do you have any last thoughts about weighing, about advice that you'd give to other people, imparting your wisdom? Um my my take for weighing is that weighing should be something that is always considered in your mind, whether it is in prep, whether it is in the round. The three men- metrics I just mentioned, for example, are very, very good in identifying which groups of people you want to prioritize in your arguments. So weighing is something that you want to do consistently in your constructive, in your rebuttal, in your reconstruction. And it's just super, super helpful. And what I think is the tipping point that makes good teams into great teams. Awesome. I completely agree. And I think that was a great way to close off that what is the right time to weigh any speech, any time in the round, during prep, during the actual round, during your own speeches, during POIs. And I think, you know what? Practice weighing. It is such an easily drillable skill and it will take you so far in debate. Uh, so thank you so much, Chris. Again, we're really happy to have thank had you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's nice to be finally... This is interesting. It's like interviewing somebody that I more directly taught mm-hmm. who has been like a really successful pro in Hart House and a really successful pro in not just Canada, but internationally. I appreciate So that. I'm so grateful to have had you and thank you for coming out to share your thoughts on weighing. Thank you so much, Noah. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today for the Debate 101 series. Stay tuned for more on This House Wood. Please follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as our Instagram at THW Debate Podcast. See ya!